Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. You're listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. We offer critical insights you need to know. I'm Emily Donahue, and I welcome you. On October 6th, the Czech Republic hosted the first summit of the European political community. That's a platform for dialogue between 44 European countries. The leaders of the 27 members of the European Union were there, but also present were representatives from countries as diverse as the United Kingdom. Turkey, and Ukraine. So was this meeting a big deal? Here with answers is Adriano Bassoni, RAIN's Director of Analysis. Welcome, Adriano. Hey, Emily. Nice talking with you again. You too. Um, could you explain to me what exactly the European political community is and maybe how it was created? Yeah, the, the European political community is basically a forum of discussion between European governments. It's basically a French idea. In fact, it was French President Emmanuel Macron who first proposed this discussion forum in a speech in May. The goal basically is to have a dialogue forum that goes beyond the European Union and its institution. Um, in fact, as you said in the introduction, the European political community includes many non-EU countries like the UK, Switzerland, Turkey, Ukraine, Serbia, Georgia, Armenia, or Azerbaijan, to name a few. Of course, the most obvious reason for the creation of this entity is the ongoing war in Ukraine. France feels that it needs to send a very strong signal to Russia that pretty much the entire European continent is against the war. Uh, in fact, uh, Russia, Belarus and Kazakhstan were the only European or Eurasian countries that were not invited to this first summit. So the fact that there were 44 heads of government and state in the summit in the Czech Republic is, is super meaningful. Um, of course, with, with a group that is as diverse as this, um, it was clear that nothing much would be decided during that first summit. It was a highly symbolic, highly political first summit with little to no concrete decisions. Um, but the mere fact that the summit happened, to me, is a big deal in itself. Um, especially because most political analysts and even some EU governments dismissed the idea when Macron first proposed it a few months ago. Um, but the escalation of hostilities in Ukraine probably gave a new life to the idea. So, Adriano, I know that many of the countries that attended the summit, like Albania, Serbia, Moldova, Georgia and Ukraine, they're seeking to join the EU. Um, is this European political community an alternative or a complement to EU membership? This is a very interesting question because um, it's clear that the process of EU accession is moving very slow and that the European Union will not accept any new member states in the short to medium term, despite all the recent talks about accelerating the membership process for Ukraine or the progress in the negotiations with Serbia and a few others. There is right now, there is not an interest in the European Union to accept any new member states, 
In fact, many countries, including France, believe that with 27 member states, the European Union is already very complex and that accepting new member states would only complicate things further. So I think that by creating the European political community and by inviting countries in the Western Balkans and in the Caucasus, France is trying to compensate for the fact that none of these countries will join the European Union in the foreseeable future. In other words, France and to some extent the EU as a whole are trying to keep dialogue and interaction channels open with these countries and to keep them engaged with Western Europe without really offering them EU membership. This is important if we consider that countries like China, Turkey, or even Russia are competing with the EU for influence in these regions. So the EU needs to offer these candidate countries something, even if it's symbolic, to let them know that um, it still cares about them. Of course, not everyone in the EU agrees with this point of view. And there are several member states that really want Ukraine and the rest of the candidates to actually enter the EU. And these governments are worried that the European political community could actually weaken the accession process and that the French could use it as an excuse to continue delaying the accession of the candidate countries. So this means that we will continue to see internal disputes within the EU, especially between Western members and Eastern members about whether or not to accept new countries in the bloc. Wow, that's really interesting. It's also quite notable that the UK Prime Minister Liz Truss attended this summit. Considering that she has hawkish positions on the EU, what do you make of that? I think that in addition to sending a message of European unity to Russia and making symbolic gestures to EU candidate countries, the third goal of the European political community is to actually integrate the post-Brexit UK to a European dialogue forum. Um, we need to keep in mind that despite Brexit, the UK remains a vital economic and security player in Europe. And I think France understands the geostrategic importance of remaining engaged with the UK, which we, we need to remember is a nuclear power, is a NATO member state, is a member of the UN Security Council. So the EU is very interested in remaining engaged in political security and energy dialogue with, um, with the UK. Um, the thing is, after Brexit, the UK does not really have a lot of institutional frameworks to engage with the EU and to discuss issues like Russia, immigration or energy security. Of course, there is always NATO, but this is a forum that also includes um, the United States. So France and the UK are probably happy to have uh, a dialogue um, forum in which the US is not involved in order to discuss European issues. For the UK, I think um, the European political community is a very low-cost way to remain engaged with the European continent without committing itself to anything. This is not a European Union institution. This is just a very vague discussion forum that does not really commit the UK to do anything. Um, it does not commit the UK to trade or to migration or to any of the things that EU membership involves. So I think it's a good opportunity for London to display a dynamic foreign policy without being accused by Eurosceptics at home of making concessions to the European Union. Hmm. Well, is this European political community here to stay? 
<laughs> That's another great question. I would say that the answer is yes in the short to medium term, and it's more of a we will see in the long term. As long as there is a war in Ukraine, I think there will be a strong drive in Europe to have a conversation forum, including most European countries. We need to keep in mind, we're talking about 44 governments here. Um, but if and when the war in Ukraine is over, and especially when Russia is no longer perceived as an urgent threat, I guess the European political community will struggle to survive. Um, and connected to this is the fact that this is a very vague entity without any concrete structures or any concrete agendas. So this is both good and bad in the sense that this vagueness um, could make it flexible, could make it um, easy to adapt uh, depending on the necessity of the time and could make it resilient and could make it last. But this very same vagueness could also become problematic if its 44 members see it as a useless entity where nothing ever gets done. So um, to make a long story short, I think we will continue to see summits. There's, there's a few um, more summits um, scheduled in um, Spain, even in the UK and a few other places in the coming years. On a longer time frame, um, we will see. It's, it's not a given that this uh, political community will continue existing. Adriano Bassoni is Rain's director of analysis. He leads a team of analysts covering all parts of the globe for Rain Worldview, Rain Threat Lens, and our other risk intelligence solutions. Find out how Rain can help power your business through emerging risks at rainnetwork.com. That's R A N E Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.